When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the mid-alt that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Emily, what's your gut feeling? Well, my gut feeling is that things could be better. Hmm. Shall we talk about the gut microbiome? Go on, let's. I know it's not sexy repartee, but it's a conversation worth having because it affects, well, it affects everything. Bear with me just briefly. Your gut microbiome is a vast ecosystem with bacteria as diverse as the Amazon rainforest. They break down food and help your body to detoxify. They support the immune system. They can affect energy and weight as well as mental health. But along with all the good bacteria lurk yeasts, fungi and viruses. Now we're not born with them, but research has shown that composition of the gut microbiome can change with dietary intervention, stress levels and quality of sleep. Scientists are increasingly treating the gut as its own organ, which is why we are delighted that this podcast is brought to you by Simprove. Now, long before Simprove approached us to sponsor this podcast, I'd started swigging it every morning and I felt a difference within weeks. It's a water-based supplement that carries live and active bacteria that can endure the incredible journey from mouth to gut in order to start to multiply and produce food for the bugs we already have. Don't even get me started on the gut-brain connection. Now, everybody who knows about this stuff knows that Simprove is the best of its kind. And you can sign up for a 12-week introductory programme and we've got a code for a 15% discount, midalt15 at simprove.com. That's S-Y-M-P-R-O-V-E dot com. It's remarkable stuff. Hi everyone, I'm Emily and I'm absolutely fine, but I have read, or I'm halfway through the ninth book in a series of thrillers by Jane Casey about a detective sergeant called Maeve Kerrigan and it's the last one and I'm basically like 90% trying to stop myself from messaging Jane Casey and say hurry the fuck up with number 10. Because life won't be worth living. Because I, honestly, it's been my solace. It's a brilliantly murdery and women fixing stuff and sorting stuff out. And I am absolutely kind of, I'm in gripped, obsessed. Anyway, that's I'm terrified. My... Terrified it's going to be over. <laughs> terrified it's going to be over. When I was at book five, I was like, oh, I've got five more to go or four more to go. But now well, I'm panicking. I feel, I feel that way about Married at First Sight Australia. How many more have you got left? It's the reunion dinner party tonight. <laughs> You're like... um, and that's it. That's it. Yeah, I think they've been. I think maybe it's episode thirty-one or something. Do you know? I felt that way about Shit's Creek in lockdown at the beginning of the first. You know, way back when, when we were a hundred years younger, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, in March twenty twenty. But I'm rewatching it, and it's actually incredibly satisfying. So there I you go. tried that last night in anticipation of the ending of Married, of Married at First Sight Australia, and it did not scratch that itch. Anyway, how are you, Annabelle? I'm Annabelle, and I'm absolutely fine. But I was cleaning 
yesterday because I spe- seem to spend my whole life at the moment with a packet of biodegradable wipes sort of tucked in my pants. I love the way you say biodegradable, like quick, quick, yeah, quick. Yeah, quick. biodegradable wipes, <laughs> biodegradable wipes. Um, and uh, there I was cleaning and, and, and in the kitchen, a picture just fell off the wall and fell to the floor. I feel like all the witches out there are literally going, <gasps> I know, if that's not a sign, show me, show me a sign, show me a sign, give me a sign. The picture smashes to the ground. And I, and, I, and I looked at the space where the picture had been. And last year, when I got the leaking kitchen painted, only so it could immediately start leaking again a week later and ruin the paint, I trusted someone to rehang the pictures. There are about nine holes <laughs> on the wall behind the small, you know, this, where the small little picture was. I and feel like that's, that's exactly how I would hang a picture. It would be like the truth behind the process would be sort of, you know, revealed. It's like someone's given me a sign and left me a message in holes on the wall, some sort of code. So I got out the toolbox and a hammer and a nail and tried, hammered my thumb, bent the nail. Then I sellotaped the picture to the wall. It obviously smashed to the floor again, <laughs> taking a layer of paint off with it. And, uh, and, 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 and now, and now it's, it's just this, this space full of holes is staring at me and all my failure. And, you know, someone would say to me, this is all part of your journey, wouldn't your, they? They bloody would. They would say, it's your journey, Annabelle. It seems like these therapeutic and self-help terms have sort of invaded the vernacular. So, so presumably they're meant to make us feel supported and, and seen and capable and kind of tooled up and evolved. But actually they're incredibly irritating because <laughs> even though they try to reframe the narrative as a kind of metaphysical calling, don't they? Oh yeah, it's beyond, it's beyond. They just remind us that, that we're failing. So calling... Calling your life a journey doesn't make it any less of a disaster. Journey, the word journey is presumably meant to add an air of the exotic to the grind and it, it, intended to imply a kind of constant moving forwards. But what if your journey involves you being stuck and scared and sellotaping pictures to the wall? Yeah, Which is most people's journey, to be yeah, fair. Or, or bored and confused, which yes, is exactly. most other people's journey. Yeah, how is that a journey? It's a predicament, maybe. A problem, perhaps. How is the, the heating breaking part of my journey? Or realising I need a crown, but I can't afford it. How's that part of my journey? Or the fact that I want to travel. I really want to travel, but I can't because of time and money and family and COVID and panic. Uh, so that part of my journey means I can't actually have a journey. <laughs> no journey for you. No, so I can no longer look at the word journey or say the word journey, 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 journey. <laughs> meaningless to me now, meaningless to me now. I agree, you've ruined the word journey now. Definitely. Thanks so much. I tell, you, I, tell you, I tell you the word that I really struggle with is resilience resilience it's a fashionable word isn't it isn't it and it's sort of it's sort of the new word for survival but but the kind of survival where you're not allowed to be cross about what has happened or scared by what has happened or scarred by what has happened so you have to be like oh happy and energetic post shit show to show that you have resilience resilience means that we all have to have a kind of super elasticity of body mind and spirit spring back bounce back nothing to see here i'm absolutely fine but why can't we just howl into the void and say i am not resilient resilience isn't my thing i'm a bit broken and the brokenness is part of my brilliance yes yeah it's true bring me the broken people Bring me the broken people. Don't bring me the people who want to speak their truth. Isn't that awful truth? Speak my truth. I'm now oh unable God. to hear this phrase without thinking about kind of self-serving maniacs delivering speeches peppered with horrible amateur psychology that will somehow, by their very nature, prevent us from responding in kind for fear they'll shriek, you're silencing my truth, if we disagree with them. So speak your truth, these truth speakers cry, as long as it doesn't offend my truth. 
Of course we should. We should all be honest. But how could all these truths coexist? Won't they end up just jostling each other out of the room and then we'll all be alone? Just alone with only our truth to keep us warm. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Hi, truth. I tell you what, the other one. Truth is like an over... Speaking of truth, it's a bit like an overplayed song, isn't it? So you, you, you can no longer appreciate the sentiment of it anymore because we've all been bashed over the head with it day and night for months on end. I've got something to say used to work. Let's bring I've got something to say back. Yeah, that's true. That's my truth. <laughs> Do you know what? The other one, the process. Hey, it's all part of the process. Oh, who decided on the process? Who, who is controlling the process? What is this mysterious process? I mean, in fact, there are so many mysterious processes and do not question the process. The process will work. All the gurus and the experts and the authors and the politicians tell us. But clearly there is no due process anymore. Let's ban the process along with allow me to process that. Because sometimes we don't process, do we? No, sometimes we rant and laugh and rage and cry and deny. Yeah, because we are not processors. Oh, very good. We are humans. We are humans. Feel your feelings, they oh. say to us humans. Feel your feelings. No. <laughs> They are scary. My inner child and my outer child says no. No, they're scary. Stop, stop telling us to feel our feelings. <sighs> Most of the time we don't understand our feelings. We can't identify our feelings. We're scared of our feelings. And, the, and now what doesn't help is the whole world telling us to, to feel them and know them and process them and journey through them and speak our truth about them. <laughs> and, and it somehow makes them feel even more remote because the whole world is apparently now fluent in feeling while we're as bewildered as we always were, but now we're liars too. Because ah. we're so concerned with trying to speak our truth that we just sort of make feelings up just to have something to say. You sort of say, so you might say, you know, the thing is, I think I reacted badly when that picture fell off the wall because I was feeling threatened and it, it triggered me into a place of, of childhood fear. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But maybe I'd been up since four and I was stressed about a deadline and I knew the house insurance bill needed paying and, and hormones... Because hormones make a mockery of feeling your feelings. <laughs> it slightly reminds me of like history of art when you have to look at it. If you're not, if you're a luddite like me, and you're supposed to look at a painting, and, and someone says, "Well, how does this painting make you feel?" And you're like, you're sort of terrified that you're going to say the wrong thing, so you start rooting back to kind of you know anything, nonsense. Any old thing. Because nonsense. the honest answer to how does this painting slash situation slash book slash you know film make you feel is tired. <laughs> <laughs> Just, that is the honest answer to everything. Oh, but we should be much more mindful though, darling. Oh, please. I, I know, sorry. I mean, mindfulness, it basically translates into kind of, I'm currently panicking, I'm currently panicking, I'm currently panicking, I'm mindfully eating the fridge, I'm mindfully sabotaging this relationship, I'm mindfully getting very drunk because whatever it takes to not be present so I can have a little holiday from my life is fine by me. I can be as destructive when I'm being mindful as I can be being oblivious. Possibly more so because more pressure. More pressure never helps, does it? The pressure. The pressure of everything. And then someone might say to you, opportunity. Oh my God. They might say, they might say let's see this as an opportunity. Great, great. No, it's not, it's not a blow. <laughs> it's not a bore. It's uh, not really, really tiring. No, 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 no. Do not <gasps> let negativity mask the opportuniness of this opportunity. I tell you what. Why don't you take this opportunity and shove it up your challenge? Oh, my God. Do you know what? Exactly. It's like, this is another opportunity for growth. And this is a growth moment. And this is a challenge because you're going to be tested. But 
Why? We don't need another test. Haven't we been tested enough? Surely. Here's your challenge, they would say on a corporate away date. Challenges! Shrieks slide 236 of the PowerPoint because challenges, handled creatively, are only opportunities in disguise. Ah, in life grand. It's basically like a less bloody, more hormonal squid game. <laughs> you know, everybody's talking about squid game. I can't watch it. I obviously can't. I can't watch anything with a narrative arc. <laughs> Too tense. <laughs> it's also like ultra-violent. Isn't it basically about... It, it's, it's a South Korean drama, right, that involves people playing children's games in a contest. And if they win, millions, millions and millions of pounds. Millions and millions. Like 38.5 million or And something. if they lose death yeah you lose you die right okay so imagine squidult game there we are let's well, see what we did there okay squidult game is where you have to pass a series of grown-up challenges with fatal consequences if you fail yeah i mean life is precarious and anxious making enough so why not just add an element of violent death as a cherry on top <laughs> that's relaxing so challenges could be for example Okay. To take a compliment without making it excruciating for everyone. So you bump into someone in the squidult game arena and they tell you that they like your shirt. And every fibre in you wants to say, this, this old thing, I found it in a skip. I mean, don't you think I look like a kidnapped shed? I hate it. And I haven't washed my hair since the first lockdown and my face is collapsing. Can you see? Oh, but, 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 but thank you. <laughs> you know, instead, the killer doll is watching. So in order not to die, you have to say, thank you so much, it's from Zara. Oh my God. And you, you're so tense about this, you achieve record clenching. That's totally excruciating. Oh my God. Okay, I've got, I've got a good challenge for Squidult game. You have to answer all your emails, WhatsApps and text messages as they come in. Immediately. Without deviation or hesitation. Actual responses as well, not out of office, okay? <laughs> I mean, and I'm talking even to the, do you know a handyman? Can you sponsor me? Does anyone want to go out for a drink ones that you like kick into the long grass? <laughs> and not only will this be exhausting and unprecedented territory for all of us, but as you reply, you also know that you're simultaneously throwing the person who asked the question into turmoil too, because nobody wants an immediate response. Who wants an immediate response? <laughs> nobody. But hey, this is Squid Art Game. I currently have... Um... 12,709 unread emails. Okay, that gives me anxiety. It's my filing system. Okay, please can you explain how that's a filing system? It means that I mark them as unread so that I can at some point respond to them. And if I ever need to find anybody, they're there in the unreads. But it's my address book. 12,709 of them. Busy, busy. Oh my God, that's so stressful. Um, so you're on a call. Okay. And another call tries to come in. Oh. And it does that thing where it flashes, hold, accept, decline, or send a custom, just to make it classy, a custom text message, presumably explaining why you never answer the phone and why you'll never call the person back. And you're rooted to the spot. I mean, what the hell should you do? You need to somehow tell the person you're speaking to that you're going to put them on hold and you'll accept the other call. Or, whilst pretending nothing's happening, you need to send your a message to the second caller telling them you can't talk right now but you will call them back all without anyone getting cut off or, or you getting a missed call so if you don't manage to do this you will die <laughs> okay you well. probably die of stress at this point anyway <laughs> I'm, I'm literally dying of stress listening to you talk me through terrible. the challenge it's absolutely terrible do you know what i mean yes my... but I'll, I'll take you call waiting and i'll raise you parking <laughs> that's my rube that's my not rubicon what's the kind of 
I don't know, the worst possible thing that you could go, that's sort of, my sort kryptonite. Situation. Kryptonite, that's it. That's my kryptonite. So um, I wish, I wish I was one of those people who could be on the phone. I mean, when I park, I turn the music down. Never let it be said you're not rock and roll. (laughs) Just because I think that might help, which it doesn't. But yeah, imagine being one of these people who kind of, well, you're on the phone, you whoosh their cars into any old spot with like supreme confidence. I mean, I would drive a car into another neighbourhood entirely in order to find a bigger and better, easier parking space. You would cruise across continents to not have to park when people are waiting behind you, right? Oh my God. Oh no, I couldn't do that. Or when people are coming towards me on the other side of the road. Oh, if anyone's even walking down the pavement. Basically, anybody at all. But you'd think... what about car parks? Well, that's the thing. You'd think that car parks might be Even I hate car parks. I fucking hate car parks. So, here is the challenge, okay? You have to go through the barriers... With your eyes open, because I always close my eyes when I go through the barriers. What, because you think you're going to scrape the sides of the car? Oh, yeah, for a start. Then, you know, those tight turns that create the murdery tyre screeches. I think underground underground car parks are just endlessly murdery. Yeah, exactly, the footsteps and everything. And then squeezing in. Now, okay, so the challenge is you have to squeeze in between the 4 by 4 which has obviously taken half the space next to it. And a pillar. So many pillars. <laughs> so many, all covered in paint and scratch marks of those who've gone before, exactly like sort like of skeletons gra- and death. Exactly, like a car graveyard. And then, of, uh, so obviously as you're trying to drive through, the in-car radar is like... Beep, beep, From every beep, angle, oh, front, oh back, God. side, dead. Um, You'd be dead. You'd be fine, though. Uh, I this, might be this dead. This might be, you might be okay. Yeah, this next one, I don't think I'd win. Okay. I'm going to say the double sleep challenge. <laughs> Anything to do with sleep. Okay, so whenever I say I can't sleep, people say, oh, do you, do you practice good sleep hygiene? And I say, <laughs> I say, I do, I do, I do. Um, and, and years ago, I, I, I did for a while, you know, endlessly optimistic. I sniffed the lavender. There were no screens. I did breathing. I calmed myself down. I had the warm bath. You know, it was absolute zen in my bedroom. That didn't work, so I thought, fuck it. So now it's screens everywhere. You can't move for screens. So here's, here's the, the double sleep challenge. First of all, you have to... Not fall asleep with the telly on. I mean, if anyone asks, you just say that you don't watch the telly and your laptop and your phone all at the same time while in bed. But, but you know, you, you, you have, or, or, or you have to not fall asleep with the telly on. So it's basically Nightmare on Elm Street 2021. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep during Bake Off, bitches. Wait, wait, no, don't do that. Turn off the telly. Switch off the light. Say a little prayer. Practice some gratitude. Do your breathing. Arrange the pillows. And then drift off to sleep in a lovely ladylike way, not dribbling on the sofa. Until it's time for the second sleep challenge, which is to sleep through the night. You are monitored. There are sensors, there are cameras, there are electrodes. You have to stay under for at least seven hours or you will be punished. Death, <laughs> you will die, you will die. Now, given that you haven't achieved more than three and a half hours in a row for eight years now, you are, you know, and obviously you're punished daily for that. You are definitely dead at the end of this squid challenge. I mean, I don't think we're going to make it through any of these challenges. Seriously. Okay, so here's another one. You have to keep the lighting and temperature perfectly balanced all day and all night for everyone in the house. Every man, woman, dog, child, friend, builder, you know, a cardo delivery person, whatever. No one is to complain or reach for a coat or take off a jumper or adjust their eyes. So your hypervigilance means you're watching everybody. I mean, you're, and obviously, how would you not be in a muck sweat running around trying to... Yes, the temperature, the temperature, the lighting, the lighting, flattering lighting. People can see what they're doing. So no one can say it's too dark or it's too bright or I'm too cold or I'm too hot or you die. Good luck.
For personal torture, okay. this squid out challenge means that you're not allowed to adjust anything about your person for the entire day. Oh, my God. You're constantly monitored. So you can't pick your knickers out of your bum. <laughs> Got a wedgie? Take yourself to a higher plane. Your trainer sock has slipped and is digging into the bottom of your foot and making you feel unhinged? Higher plane. This is the adult equivalent of not licking your lips when you're eating a donut or not chewing a fruit pastel. Higher plane, everybody. I mean, obviously, we just need to be on a higher plane at all times. It's all about temptation, isn't it? Yes. Actually, speaking of temptations, how about not performing any kind of self-surgery at all? Oh, I live for (laughs) self-surgery. I love that. Ingrown hair? Leave it. I can't. I need to see the blood. Big fat ripe spot, squeeze it and die. Oh, dead, dead. Chin hair, tough tits, and suddenly you have a full beard. Just like that. But you have one squid out game. And now you are very, very, very weary. Oh, my goodness. I mean, we are, aren't we, all the time. This, there is this tension between being deranged and winning. Yeah. Or surviving and losing. We've lost all <laughs> sense of, of balance in life. So we just sort of lurch from one form of extreme behaviour to another. Sometimes running the extreme behaviours in parallel, that's always fun. You know, because we are fascinating, you know, creatures ripe with contradictions. You know, we are always either sort of, we're vacillating between frenzied hyper work mode and then a near catatonic state of existential dread and avoidance. (laughs) I know. All we want is is a steady work pace or a steady pace, but we can't find it, can we? No purchase. For example. Tell me. Either refusing to cook, because you're done, or trying to prepare a sort of crazy gourmet situation. I mean, so you think, why ever cook again? It's time-consuming, it's relentless, it requires imagination when we're so tired. Why can't we just take a pill, feel full, be supplied with nutrients and not have to wash up, you know, order a delivery, basically. Or we suddenly find that we're saying, can someone please pass me the capers and the coastal <laughs> herbs? Because this Dover soul is not going to Grenobloise itself. <laughs> oh my God. Don't you find as well, we're either dressed like swarm creatures or we're a dead on the cover of Vogue. Yes, one or the other. Troll living under a bridge or red carpet at the Grammys. I mean, that's it, isn't it? It's in one corner. The, these stretchy trackies are just a bit too stretched now. The elastic is gone in the arse and the waist and that... L- looks like some kind of jam stain on the knee. Yeah, is it jam? It could be anything. It's matter. Oh, but seriously, who even gives, gives a fuck now that society has been as dissolved? But in the other corner, you're actually doing face masks, three, putting treatments in your hair, and that is makeup on your actual face and clothes that are real on your body and heels on your feet. Good God. Heels on your feet? I mean... And then you find you're incapable of getting through an hour without crying. Or you're gathering collapsing friends around you like a shepherd of the dispossessed. (laughs) So either it's all about you or it's all about them. So you're either, damn you world, to no one in particular as tears stream down your face for the 17th time that day. But somehow you're also going, of course, trying to decipher your weird dream is more important than my deadline. Tell me again what you think your ex turning into a guinea pig might mean. (laughs) I mean, they say it helps to help other people. So maybe you can cry and be helpful at the same time. Yes, we're also getting absolutely no work done at all or forging a new global empire. And we were practically staring blankly at our screens for what could be anything between five minutes to five years to kind of securing investment, business loans, 20 new employees, trademarked lawyers, accounts, 
even-headed paper, buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. Headed paper. Headed paper. She means business. <laughs> yeah, yes. because um, either we're incredibly hyper-connected, aren't we? Hideously hyper-connected. Or the phone switched off and we're choosing total isolation. So either we would turn off that little beeping bastard and fling him into a corner. You know, what are we, robots now? <laughs> if, if we must issue the rituals of social interaction, then why even be part of this seventh circle of digital hell? It's either that or texting so much, we're now WhatsApping from our laptops just to save time. And the only point of walking anywhere is so that we can leave voice notes. And, 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 and how can we have not completely caught up on Instagram? Why has no one posted in the past six seconds? Is it broken? What's going on? Is it not loading? It has one job. Why isn't it loading? <laughs> I know. The idea that we're, that, that we're sort of somehow both super ambitious and also like catatonically tired and therefore can't do anything. I'm not panicking about Instagram. Oh, my God. What, have you checked recently? No, I think I'd better go and attempt some hyperconnection. <laughs> yes, we need to be hyperconnected. Let's right go now. and be hyperconnected. But stay tuned, listeners, because we have some gut wisdom on the way. Hello again, everybody. As this mini-series is brought to you by Simprove, we thought we should explore the Amazon jungle that is our gut. So to help us navigate this mysterious landscape, we asked Simon Gaysford, Professor of Pharmaceutics at UCL, to come and have a quick chat about what actually goes on in there. So, Simon, we hear a lot of talk about them, but what exactly is a probiotic? Well, firstly, hello. Thanks for having me on. Hello. That's very good. <laughs> uh, and secondly, I don't have to make my own definition, which is really handy. The World Health Organization has done it for me. So the definition is it's a live microorganism. So that's a bacterium to you and me that when you swallow confers a health benefit to the host. And obviously you're the host as the swallower. So you swallow these bacteria and they should in some way confer a health benefit. Because it's confusing. What, you know, we're brought up thinking that bacteria you know, are germs, really. So mm. what, and then we heard about friendly bacteria yeah. and good bacteria. <laughs> so what's the difference between good bacteria and bad bacteria? What do we want yeah. and what do we not want around sure. and inside? Good question. So most people, I think, they consider bacteria as bad. And so when you're brought up, you know, your parents say to you, don't lick the toilet bowl. Don't, <laughs> don't run your hands over the TV remote control and then stick your fingers in your mouth because all these things are covered with um, bacteria, okay? So most people think bacteria are bad. And that, I think that's a shame because bacteria, they do so many things. It's just that they have a bad press. And so part of this thing about probiotics and promoting probiotic use with Simprove in particular is about changing perceptions because bacteria can be both good and bad. So to answer your question, the way this works is think of a bacterium as a little um, capsule, very small capsule, which is living. OK, and then like all living things, you and me as well, it has to eat something to survive. So it, it eats um, glucose primarily, but it, it'll eat other things in your gut. And then it burns that glucose and it produces waste compound. So bacteria produce those waste compounds and they excrete them into your gut. So in your gut, you've probably got somewhere between six and 10,000 different types of bacteria. All of them are eating and all of them are producing waste. Yeah. And because there are so many different species, you're going to get this huge range of waste compounds. So one of the reasons that we have bacteria in our gut in the first place is because when we eat something, let's say you eat a bowl of shredded wheat. So you've got a big 
big shredded wheat. It's 100% wheat. <laughs> so that's all there is. Okay. Most people, I think, don't realise that um, wheat is carbohydrate. And carbohydrate is a series of glucose molecules joined together into a big chain. So if I said to you for breakfast, I'd like you to eat 20 sugar cubes, most people would probably say no. But if I said to you, I'd like you to eat a shredded wheat, most people go, okay, it's a breakfast cereal. They're the same thing. <laughs> they, are, they are both 100% glucose, same thing. So what will happen is, the only difference between them actually, just in case your uh, listeners <laughs> are now panicking, <laughs> the only difference between them is in a, in a sugar cube, the glucose molecules are independent, so individual glucose molecules. And that's why it's called refined or um, uh, pure sugar. And in carbohydrate, the sugar molecules have been chemically joined together, so they make large chains. We call them, well, they're polysaccharides, but we call them long chains. But they're the same thing. The difference is, when you eat a sugar cube, it will dissolve very fast in your stomach to give glucose, and your body absorbs it almost immediately. When you eat shredded wheat, the glucose molecules are joined together in these polysaccharides. In order for you to absorb that glucose, you have to break the bonds that are holding the sucrose molecules together. And you don't have the enzymes to do that, but the bacteria do. So when you eat a shredded wheat, you don't get an immediate sugar rush because your body can't absorb the glucose it contains. The shredded wheat has to get all the way to your colon and then your bacteria think, hooray, food has arrived. <laughs> and so they tuck in. <laughs> and so what they do is they release enzymes that break down the shredded wheat to release the glucose. They eat the glucose, not you. They eat the glucose as their food stuff. And in return, they pump out all of these waste compounds. Now, if you think about what this means, if you didn't have any gut bacteria, you're going to eat that shredded wheat. And then a few hours later, you're going to excrete it and you won't have extracted anything from it. But by having the gut bacteria, they are breaking it down for you. And they're not just releasing glucose, they're releasing a myriad of different compounds, which your body absorbs. So do they leave you the good stuff? Yeah, so I was just thinking there, I've talked for five minutes and haven't actually answered the question, but that's very <laughs> typical. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I was thinking the same thing, Simon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Crack on. <laughs> Crack on. Crack on with it, would you? Right, so the answer is that there's a whole series of, wa of comp waste compounds for the bacteria, but from your body's perspective, most of those are good things. They can be vitamins, they can be other compounds that you can't synthesise, for instance. And so it's generally a good thing. You get this huge range of compounds that you can absorb. If a bacterium produces a compound, a waste compound, which is useful to you, then we call that bacterium a good bacterium. If, the, on the other hand, the bacterium produces something which is harmful, then we call it a bad bacterium. And so some good examples are um, Clostridium difficile. A lot of people have probably heard of C. diff. So people end up in hospital with C. diff infections. There are hundreds of different types of C. diff, and most of them are completely harmless. You could, you could swallow them, no problem. But there are just a few strains that produce really toxic waste products. And it's those toxic waste products that make you ill. Okay. So we shouldn't be licking the remote control now just in order to get bacteria in us. We need to have the right kind of bacteria yeah, you, in us. Totally. You need the right kind of bacteria. So when people have a bit of an upset stomach, for instance, usually the, the reason is because they have an overgrowth of some of the bad bacteria relative to the good one. We all have a mixture of good and bad bacteria. It's just that when the good ones are in excess, 
you generally feel okay. But if the bad ones suddenly start to get a bit, um, they get a bit carried away with themselves and start to grow a bit, then you'll start to feel bad because what the compounds they're producing are starting to affect you. It's basically a Marvel movie playing out in our <laughs> no, tummies. So no, how can how yeah. can a probiotic help us? Yeah, no, it's funny. This? I was just heading there. It's funny you say that because <laughs> because <laughs> when people take a lot of people ask me about Simprove because we've done a lot of work together, Simprove and I, about how their product works and how it can combat gut infections and make you feel better. And so people say to me, right, um, should I take Simprove or not? And I usually say, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea to take probiotics in general, but I think you should take one which is going to actually deliver live bacteria to your gut. Okay, so personal view of mine is that some of the products on sale in the supermarket don't do that. So you, you can spend money on them and you might not get too many of the bacteria in your gut. But if you take Simprove in particular, it, it does deliver all of its bacteria to, to your gut. And I then use that, the exact analogy that you just did, actually, which is it's a bit of a battlefield. What if you're tired, bloated, um, depressed <laughs> and basically a woman in your 40s? So... <laughs> Up to that point, I was going to say you were describing me until the last yes. part of that sentence. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, so, so that's what's interesting to me. When I started taking Simprove um, uh, about uh, 18 months ago, a little before that, I noticed that I, it, I perked up. I felt more cheerful. And I suppose that's this mysterious gut-brain connection. When it comes to gut-brain access, a lot of people say to me, there's no way that the gut is linked to how I'm feeling. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I say the classic phrase, death begins in the colon. Uh, if you think about, you know, feelings and your gut, think about it the other way around. You're walking down the street and uh, someone runs at you with a knife. You're going to start to panic and you want to run away. Probably the first thing you're going to do is defecate. You know, so when you're in a situation where you're feeling a lot of stress, immediate panic, your gut responds by that by emptying itself. <laughs> OK, so there's no question, I think, that if you feel nervous or um, terrified, your gut responds. And there's no reason, therefore, not to think it happens the other way. <laughs> your gut is feeling something a bit negative, And therefore, that is transmitted to your um, to your brain and you feel negative. So there's a lot of evidence now that depression is linked to uh, an imbalance of bacteria in the gut and that taking a probiotic and trying to manage that balance of bacteria improves mood and depression because that's where it's coming from. Really, what you're saying is, you know, it's look after the pennies and the pounds look after themselves to a certain extent. So you're protecting yourself by looking after your gut. I think if you take the maxim that um, death begins in the colon, and I I do genuinely believe that, that therefore maintaining good gut health (laughs) reduces your risk of death. It's it's pretty simple as that, really, isn't it? (laughs) And on that note... (laughs) Thank you very much. Good night. (laughs) Um, Can it help combat, um, you know too many pizzas, too much, you know, rosé. You know, can it offset the lifestyle choices that we all make? You're raising some really good points here. And so I think that um, there are a number of factors in everyday life, modern life, that contribute to us not feeling great and having not um, very good gut health. Stress is one. That can be exacerbated by where you work, lack of sleep. It can also be exacerbated by poor diet. And so I do think that, you know, Getting your gut functioning as best as you can is going to mitigate some of those effects. I'm not for a moment saying that if you take Simprove, you can then follow it up with two bottles of rosé and you'll be fine. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) Come on, Simon, you're on our side. (laughs) 
When people talk about, it's just another buzzword at the moment, but I think a lot of us are quite mystified by it, your microbiome. Oh, yeah. What are they referring to? Microbiome. So imagine that, um, I think if I said you all contain chromosomes and DNA, most people know what that is. So it's the DNA is all of that cellular material that um, defines who you are. Bacteria also have DNA. And I think you might imagine that one species of bacteria has a different DNA from a different species of bacteria. So the microbiome refers to all of the genetic material, which is in the gut. And a probiotic will help you balance your microbiome, is that right? Yes, I think so, because, in the like I said already, if you're not feeling great, the chances are you've got more ba- bad bacteria than good bacteria. So you, you always want to be striving for the most good bacteria and the fewest bad bacteria. And in my opinion, a, a properly formulated probiotic like Simprove helps you achieve that. Because it's still a mystery, the gut, isn't it? You know, all the gut instinct, gut feelings, the fact that if we're distressed, we can feel it in our gut. As you said, if we're very frightened, we can feel it in our gut. I mean, no one really knows why, do they? Is that, is that sort of under review all the time? Is that what you do? That, I mean, it's a tricky one. That I feel as a scientist, then uh, people say to me, well, we, we should know this stuff, shouldn't we? How can we be in the 21st century and we not know all this stuff? And the answer is, it's a very difficult and challenging place to make measurements. Nobody has yet volunteered to come to my laboratory and say, do you know what? You've got a laboratory full of equipment and I would love for you to put it up my bottom. No one's said that to me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Personally, I can't imagine anything greater than walking into the laboratory and see it being confronted with a range of bottoms. Uh, but anyway, the point is we don't have a lot of tools that work directly in people's colons. So that's a problem. Another problem is that when you um, swallow food, your mouth opens and food goes in, that's fine. Obviously, we're in an atmosphere with lots of oxygen. So when you swallow, oxygen gets down to your stomach. But as you progress further down your gut, the oxygen gets absorbed by your body or used by different bacteria. And ultimately, by the time we get to the colon, there's very little oxygen, almost none, in fact. So we call that anaerobic. It means without oxygen. And the consequence of that is that most bacteria that live in your gut, they're called strictly anaerobic. That doesn't mean they go on strictly come dancing. It means that if, if they come into contact with oxygen, they die. That's, that's, what, that's what strictly anaerobic means. So you've got somewhere, see what I said already, somewhere between six and 10,000 different species, but we don't know. And the reason we don't know is because if we try and take them out, as soon as we take them out, they come into contact with oxygen, they die. And the whole principle of microbiology is that you, you isolate some bacteria, you sort of grow them, culture them is the technical term, but you grow them. And once you've grown them, you can sort of analyse them. But because these bacteria die instantly as soon as they come into contact with oxygen, it's really difficult. So it's, it's just a challenging environment to make measurements. You know, ultimately, you want to make measurements in situ, but that's rather difficult <laughs> and if you try and take the samples out of the person and, and culture them externally everything's dead and what you're really saying i think what we're all saying what we're all realizing is if to a certain extent if you look after your gut it will look after you oh completely i agree with that absolutely gut health is key to everything really well simon gaysford thank you so much for coming on and being so brilliant and casting brilliant. light upon this dark underworld <laughs> <laughs> the dark incredibly underbelly. nice to meet you the dark underbelly the dark underbelly possess. of bottoms <laughs> <laughs> and on that note yes, <laughs> yes I think so we better much. end haven't we <laughs> <laughs> 
You've been listening to Annabel Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Middle. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. This podcast was bravely brought to you by Simprove. You can sign up for a 12-week introductory programme and we've got a code for a 15% discount. Midalt15 at simprove.com. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.